This episode of Dear Adam Silver is brought to you by Bookman's. For those of you that are new to the show, Bookman's is an entertainment exchange here in Arizona where I live and where Dear Adam Silver is recorded. Bookman sells used books, records, movies, musical instruments, and more. You never really know what you're going to find there and what you might want to take home. You can trade your own used items in at Bookman's for cash or store credit, and during the time of COVID-19, they have curbside pickup for books ordered ahead of time and for selling and trades. And right now, Bookman's is running a Summer Reads card program. For every nine books a customer buys, they get their 10th book for free, and Bookman's will also donate a free book to a local literacy nonprofit. Customers can ask any cashier for a card. The promotion runs until September 30th, so there's plenty of time to pick up a card and get some free books. All the information can be found at www.bookmans.com. And for those of you listening who are not in Arizona, please consider supporting your local bookstore next time you're shopping. And remember, Bookman's has cool covered. Just because I dunk a basketball doesn't mean I should raise your kid. Hello, and welcome back to Dear Adam Silver, a show about sports, art, and the space they share. My name is Abigail Smithson, and as always, I am your host. My guest today is Sierra Ingram. Sierra is a videographer and editor at Slam Magazine in New York City, where she is currently based. She came to basketball first as a player, and now she is a filmmaker who works to capture life through the lens of the arts, music, and basketball culture. I'm happy to have her on the show today to discuss her time playing ball in college, how she started working at Slam, and some of her current projects. Thank you so much to Sierra, and I hope you all enjoy. Take care and stay safe. So, Sierra, I, um, of course, reached out to you because of, of what I saw on your website and your, your career as a videographer and editor at Slam, and uh, but since talking to you, I just... I'd love to um, sort of hear more about how you arrived at where you are in regards to your relationship with basketball as a creative person and how, you know, your your time with basketball started and began. So if you'd like to share sort of the beginnings. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in a small town in Arkansas called West Memphis and the neighborhood and community that um, that I'm from the most accessible and like productive activity most of us kids could do was take part in playing basketball. And we did it in various ways. Um, you didn't always need to have a goal or an actual ball, which was great because a lot of us, we played this modified version of the game and we called it hit the can. And in order to play hit the can, all you needed was two, two soda cans uh, some sort of round ball that could bounce a little bit, and then, you know, you were set. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so with the game, you, like, both you guys take the can and you crush it. You crush it to get it as flat as you can. And then uh, you and your player, you and your opponent, you would face each other, and you would, like, put maybe about 10 feet of space between each other, and you would set the, ground, set, set the can down on, a, on the ground. And basically, you're tossing a can from each other, from side to side, trying to hit each other's can. And whoever, you know, hits the can the most times or makes it to a 12 or whatever wins. So. Okay. 
<laughs> so did you have, I mean, was this a game that came, I mean, besides, enjo- did you enjoy it because you were good at it? Or were, was it just something that you liked to play separate from being a competitive person? <laughs> I think I liked it because, um, like I mentioned, basketball was just everywhere in my community. Um, and also, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm an extremely competitive person. And I'm starting to realize that, you know, everything isn't a competition. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that was actually um one of my first memories of basketball was hit the can and then from there I would go to watch games with my dad and my family we'd go watch my cousins play at girls and basketball excuse me boys and girls club basketball games and you know I was just I just remember just wanting to play and um waiting my opportunity to you know play the game and when I finally got the opportunity to play the game, organized wise, it was like my sophomore year of high school, and it was truly a life changing experience um, for me. It was like the first time in my life that I was given the opportunity to travel out, you know, outside of my immediate community and neighborhood mm-hmm. in the surrounding areas, and it opened like a lot of doors for me to meet different people of different backgrounds and life experiences. And I think this this moment, like coming into basketball, I know I came into it to actually playing it, organized a little late. But I think coming into it at this moment in my life, it was also around the time that the internet was starting to, you know, be a thing. Sure. <laughs> and then I realized uh, that, you know, the game was more of a network, you know, and it was like a community and like the game itself was more like a piece of art or a centerpiece to, you know, use as a tool to start a conversation to truly get to know someone. So that, that has been, that was my experience with basketball. And I think that's kind of what made me fall in love with it was the opportunities and to meet different people of different backgrounds and yeah, the competitiveness for sure. (laughs) Right. So um, I'm so on board with what you said about sort of, uh, I mean, I love watching, um, if not playing, the actual game, but just this idea of what basketball means beyond that and how it is this uh, connector in many ways between different people, between different groups, uh, that it just it has this power to, to transcend. And I'm wondering just a little bit about your actual playing career. So in high school, what, what positions did you play? What, what, is the, what is the the aspects of the game that you loved that were your sort of favorite? So in high school, I played small forward and small forward is like the most versatile player, I would say, Mm -hmm. you know, that person uh, can play pretty much one through five if they wanted to. Um, But my main positions were uh, the three, the four and the five. And so what I found to be my gift in basketball was I was very fast and I can jump high. and I was I was strong. I could take a lot of, you know, bumps and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the thing that I loved about about that was like I could out jump and I could outrun anyone. It was just a way for me to kind of flex, you know, <laughs> yeah. like and I was known mostly for getting rebounds or, you know, in my defense and everybody. I remember when I got to college, the thing was they like I people would just want to see me jump. Like they would come just to see me do a layup because it looked like I, at any moment that I could dunk. And that's kind of crazy because I'm 
five eight. Wow, and I had, yeah. I was I was up there. <laughs> wow, that's so interesting. So the the possibility of a dunk brought people out. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's what actually kept me playing for a long time too, is just because I was convinced that I was going to dunk at some point during my career. Mm. But it, it never happened. The only thing I came close to dunking was a, a tennis ball at practice. So I, okay. I got that under my belt. <laughs> wow, but. yeah. I was actually just watching that video that you produced. Um, let me pull it up just to get the names right. That's on your website about the two girls that play at the high school in... Oh, at Blair Academy? Yeah, and those oh, they're going into their senior year, and they were talking about just where they want to see um, the women's game, how they want to see the women's game progress, and and uh, where they want it to be in the next 15 years and what they want to be a part of as they go into their professional careers. And they, were, they, were, they mentioned the dunk there at the end, like, hey, so, sorry that it's not... Uh, physically possible for us to dunk. <laughs> um, that doesn't that doesn't mean that this game is not still, you know, very entertaining and thrilling to watch women play. Right. And some of the comments that, you know, I see is that the reason people basketball women's basketball isn't as popular is because they don't dunk. But if you actually take the time to watch some of these women and girls play, you're gonna you're gonna be really blown out of the water because mm -hmm. they can hang with probably any guy that you put on the court. So yeah, I, I I'm I'm excited to see the the evolution of the women's game. So I'm pretty sure within the next couple of years there's there's gonna be more girls dunking. There's gonna be more girls dunking. Sure. And and I think even with um I mean the dunks that happen in the NBA uh, there's probably like maybe one or two dunks a game where it's like, whoa, oh my God, you know, where there's just some right. just like slammed home or, or something like that where it's just like that there's that aggression, the, the Westbrook dunk, whatever it is that, that, you know, gets people so excited. But I mean, that's just a, such a small part of the game. And exactly. I feel like when you're watching and if you're engaged, it doesn't, I mean, I guess it just, for me, I have cried at like middle school basketball games like I remember like when I you just being just getting so in invested in whoever you're rooting for um mm -hmm. at any level like it uh I mean I guess that's a little bit something I maybe I'm not super proud of how much I care sometimes but I just think that really at the end of the day if you're engaged with what's happening right in front of you it doesn't necessarily matter who is playing um is, is my that's a great great point that's truly true yeah, I just think it's it's still it's still there's still so much yeah I mean it's just it's really uh, I mean I think we're up against a lot of the women's game of basketball is up against a lot of sexism um, and how mm -hmm. it's received and that's just that's just sort of par for the course with a lot of women's sports um, and and other other things but it's just uh, it just really feels like if 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 you're putting in the time to watch then then it's, it's entertaining, uh, for me at least, no, no matter who's playing, as long as it's not a, a super lopsided uh, game. You know, as long as it's within 10 points or 15 points, <laughs> then it's it's uh, it's, it's entertaining. I, I agree exactly, especially with, like you said, if you're watching and you're invested in it and you're, you know, 
once you're into you actually if people just gave the game a chance instead I, I feel like most people that I hear making comments about the game they've never even took the time to sit and watch it to mm-hmm. to become immersed in it so right. yeah Im- uh, immersing that's a good way of thinking about it because it's hard to not you know care and and respond to it when when you're immersed in it mm-hmm yeah, so tell me a little bit about playing in college and then how you came to um, sort of use basketball as a way to also engage with, with being creative. Uh, so my decision to like kind of use basketball as a, as a, a means for my creative outlet, um, it started around my, the idea started around my sophomore year of college um, playing basketball. Can you remind me of the college that you went to? Uh, Lane College. Lane it's College. A, it's a small liberal arts school in Jackson, Tennessee. That's um, an HBCU, which is a historically black college. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, I had been chasing the opportunity to play for so long that I kind of lost sight of what I wanted to do in my future and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the first day of like practice, my coach, he like gathered us all in the circle in the middle of the basketball court and he was holding this old worn out basketball in his hand and then he just dropped it on the hardwood and the the ball just hit the ground, like, like with a thud and it didn't bounce back up. And then he says to us, (laughs) it's, it's just so powerful what he says to us, said to us that it stuck with me for so long. He says, this ball is going to stop dribbling for for all of y'all someday. And when that day comes, you better have a good idea about what you're going to do next. And from that moment, I kind of, like, shift my focus. I kind of just started to really think about what it is that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I was already obsessed with visual storytelling, photography, and videography, and things of that nature. And I was majoring in mass communication. So... From there, I just started to think of the types of stories that I wanted to tell and, like, the medium in which I wanted to share and deliver these stories. Because I wanted to – my idea was if I'm going to tell a, tell a story, I want to reach as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes back to uh, me just wanting to connect with different people of different backgrounds. So I just wanted to be able to connect with as many different people – from different cultures and backgrounds as possible. And so I, it was kind of like a natural progression. I kind of, it's just like basketball. And then at that time too, um, I was listening, to, I was heavily influenced by J. Cole. I was listening to a lot of J. Cole at that moment um, during college. And his whole um, dollar in a dream, moved to New York City, Mm-hmm. Uh, he had he had a hoop dream as well, and then I I, I clicked for him. I was like, okay, the mecca of basketball new is in New York, and create you, you know most of advertising and creativity comes out of New York. So it was kind of a no brainer to me. My senior year, I just finally like decided that I was going to move to New York to pursue um, filmmaking and basically capturing the game of basketball culture through photography and videography. And so that's how I kind of came 
about into um, the basketball space of creativity that uh, in that way. <clears throat> You had mentioned that you had this interest in um, sort of uh, visual communication and photography as you're already as you're moving through college. And I'm just wondering what attracted you to that medium versus uh, painting or sculpture or just another sort of visual art form. I think what attracted me more to that medium versus painting or um being a sculptor or a drawer was uh, it comes back to the internet as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to on my basketball trips. I was the only person who would bring a camera everywhere because I was so obsessed with capturing moments and sh- sharing them on my MySpace. And you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so it's like I was, I was in a way kind of being a sports photographer then, but I just didn't know it. Um, so I would just create curate these albums and put you know the early stages of myspace and facebook it was just you upload a photo and you put a caption and that was it it kind of was no no comments or anything of that nature was just albums and so i was really obsessed with capturing as much content as possible because in my mind i just wanted to not only remember these moments to um capture this the story of the this moment that i was in because i even as a young person I was always obsessed with story and telling stories so Mm -hmm. this was my first way of being able to share a story with people whoever was my friend on MySpace and Facebook right Um, so it kind of translated to I think it translated naturally to videography and um I think filmmaking kind of came into play um, in college, taking mass communication courses. I was just trying to figure out what was the best um, medium because I I realized there was limitations with photography and there's limitations with um, videography as well. I think I was just more um, trying to find a structure, a more structural approach to um, storytelling. So tell me a little bit about getting to New York um, and how you interacted with sort of street basketball culture there. Uh, getting to New York, um, like I mentioned, after my senior year of college, it was kind of like I had made my mind up that I was going to move to New York. I didn't know anyone out here. I just knew that I wanted to be a creative and that the mecca of basketball is New York. So. I think my initiation or my approach to capturing uh, photography on these various courts throughout the city was I kind of look like a basketball player, like I'm lanky. Um, I wear basketball shorts and I had a camera. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I I kind of think that was just like, okay, you're in. So I would just show up at these random courts, you know, and just talk to people and get to know them and get the okay to be like, to sit there and take photos. And I would, I think most of the time it was like, no one would say no. I, I don't think I ever got a no. I think everybody was always for it, but I, I know in the beginning, everyone was always just like, oh yeah, if you could share photos with me too, so I can put on 
my Instagram, then, mm-hmm. <laughs> then yeah. Um, so they would let me do little small sessions with them just in return to, you know, get that digital copy so they can, you know, curate, curate their own um, Instagram posts. So that's kind of how I, how it all started, how I got into it. And yeah, I kind of just, I don't know, fit the, fit the dime. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's so interesting. I know we talked about this before a little bit, um, just the sort of um, the level of comfortability you have as a basketball player sort of showing up at these spaces that maybe you're not totally familiar with, but there's basketball happening there. Mm-hmm. And a- as a basketball player, like you said, you, you're wearing the basketball shorts and all of that, that that's kind of a way to to uh, build a bridge that might not have been there otherwise. Um, Cause I've totally hung out on street corners for hours watching basketball games and just like darted around <laughs> the court, <laughs> just like not, you know, just because I, I didn't know anyone that was playing. And as, as a non-player, it's can sometimes there can be some hesitancy there about how to, yeah. you know, how to engage. Um, so yeah, I think that that's, that's such a good thing to, to sort of, uh, notice or, or keep in mind is, is that access that that comes or and that what you feel as as a former basketball player as well yeah yeah I think definitely having that background of being a former basketball player definitely helped me out in a lot of the situations and thinking about it now I'm wondering if I didn't play basketball would I have been comfortable enough to approach these courts courts or people and you know do what I did so yeah yeah I mean yeah it's really it's a tricky thing um so what were the courts that you were going to when I mean to to make most of your images did you go to the same courts over and over again in in New York or were you going to to different ones you know once or twice or how was it how was it working um I kind of picked this it was four that I would go to often um it was Two courts in Brooklyn and Bad Side and Bad Side that I love because I live right down the street from mm-hmm. it, so it was like an easy commute. Um, um, but some of the more popular ones that I went to um, was, of course, West Fourth Street. I feel like you can't miss that one. Sure. Um, and then Dykeman and Rutgers Park, which is out both are out in Harlem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would go to those on the weekends, and then. The, the ones in Harlem on a weekend, and then I would go to the ones in Brooklyn throughout the week after work because they were just closer. Right. The ones out in, in Harlem is a, quite a trek from Bed-Stuy. Sure, yeah, that is a, a couple trains and, and whatever else. <laughs> um, and how did you, so once you were making these images, um, how did you end up sort of, uh, were you working for SLAM at the time already or was that something that came uh, later on? No, yeah, it came later on. Um, I think my, like, because I started doing that is probably how I got the job at Slim. Like, um, I put all those photos. I, I know you've seen my website. I still have some of the photos up in a photography mm-hmm. section. And just, um, I think I, trying to remember it. Yeah, I, I think it was kind of like a chain reaction type of deal. I had been trying to, you know, create a portfolio that, a strong portfolio that could give me a full-time job at either, like, at SLAM, to be honest, because mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, SLAM was like um, a cornerstone magazine for me growing up, 
um, those iconic covers and the posters. So when, when I found out they were actually based in New York, that kind of was a goal was to work at Slam Magazine. So right. um, it was the body of creating that body of work first. And I think just seeing that, looking at my work, you can kind of see that I'm out in the community a bit. Mm-hmm. And I just got the interview and we we started talking. And yeah, it kind of it kind of happened fast. It, it I think now it's it it was last year, but it feels like longer. I don't know if it's because of the pandemic, but yeah, everything you know pre twenty twenty feels like it happened in a different century <laughs> from now. I feel like because uh, so much has happened. Yeah, but yeah, at first was me just out doing my own thing, and then creating a portfolio and then submit applying to Slam. That's the order in which it happened. So I don't think I would have I would be at Slam if I didn't you know come out here with that initiative in mind that you know right. I wanted to, to and do kind, that. kind of did your own thing first but with this sort of uh end goal in mind mm-hmm. yeah that you actually accomplished which is I feel like so rare sometimes in uh creative industries that you get to work for the place that you wanted to work at the out- outset of things I know it, it definitely still feels real mm-hmm. um it still feels real but slam is like family is I love those guys um it still feels very surreal someone especially coming from where I come from a small town in Arkansas um where you know not many people from where where I'm from move to New York City or you know make these moves or make these notable moves that are you know and actually um accomplish you know, the dream or idea that they have in mind. So for me, I think that was, for me, that was more important than anything was to be able to accomplish a dream and to do something for my, uh, something small for my town. At least someone can be, can see that and know that they can, you know, pursue a creative goal and it can Mm -hmm. come true. And um, I'm wondering sort of, some of the things that you've worked on at SLAM that particularly stand out to you, uh, sort of looking back on, on the time you spent there? So at SLAM, I've been working on a, a lot of women's basketball projects. I think when I first got there that um, we didn't have the WNBA channel. Um, but when my, also when I started another, one of my colleagues, Camille, um, she runs the W Slam account. Mm-hmm. Started that, you know, the W NBA page for Slam. So since I've been there, there's been a lot of um, work, uh, groundwork set to continue to spotlight women's basketball. Um, so with the rise of um, W Slam, just being able to, since I've been there, we've been concentrating on how can we, you know, put women's the uh, women's game into the light and show how incredible the, these girls and these women are. Um, so just, we've been doing some day in the life projects where we follow mm-hmm. around um, various girls, high school players, which has been incredible getting to 
um, know those players at this, you know, pivotal moment in their lives. Right. Um, kind of is like almost staring back in a mirror almost and being like, wow, to be able to talk to a young person and share their journey with the world and just to um, capture this moment in their life has been incredible. Um, some other things that we're working on, we have this series um, with um, WNBA players uh, and it's called Real Talk. And on that series, we're um, discussing a lot of issues that women in basketball face and they origin around, you know, the sexism that um, you see in some of the con uh, comment section um, on a lot of women's content uh, and just uh, really addressing just really addressing uh, the issues surrounding women in basketball and it's also uh, been a way to discuss um, some of the social issues that are going on um, at this time as well. I know we mentioned um, the WNBA players wearing the the shirts. Mm -hmm. That's something that we've that we've been talking about as well. I think prior to the season starting up, uh, just having given these players the platform to voice their opinion on some uncertain certain subject matters that otherwise that they wouldn't have available to them. I think has been incredible and and helpful to the game it, it, it like giving giving these girls and women a, a platform where they can have a voice you know mm -hmm. has been incredible yeah i mean i think you know the nba has been at the sorry the wmba has been at the forefront of uh sort of uh social justice protests within within the league and within the, the actual games and what happened sort of during and before and, and stuff like that. And even seeing that the WNBA players are not uh, are not present for the national anthem. I guess they're staying in the locker rooms. Um, mm -hmm. And that actually, uh, I think, addresses this larger issue of why do we listen to the national anthem before the games? Why is that something that is necessary? Um, and what purpose does that serve? So, I, I mean, I think that even, you know, the, and, and, and the kneeling in the WNBA or in the NBA is so important. I'm really getting confused now. Um, but this other this other way of, of interacting with that particular part of the game or something that has been added on to the game is really feels really powerful to me. Same. I, I totally agree. It's just um, there's so many things to address <laughs> just through the game of basketball as far as uh, what gets attention. Um, and I think that the WMA player's choice to to kind of sit that out is is really substantial. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I love those high school Definitely. docs, those uh, um, where you're following around the, the girls high school uh, players that are kind of up and coming and sort of will be hopefully the next generation of W players. Like that's just, um, yeah, those are just really wonderful little uh, snippets of their, how their day to day is and what's it like to, to, to be them. 
Yeah, I think, too, those are just so important, especially, too, for, you know, the next generation after them. They have to, I think it's important to show that they're, they, that they matter at this point in their lives, especially, I think, because the the girls game they don't really get that much coverage and as same with the WNBA but mm-hmm. I think it's so crucial to help put a spotlight on these girls and show how talented they are not only for them but for the next generation so you know they can feel empowered to sure play basketball or to do whatever it is that they want to do right yes um so those were great and and just fun to watch. Are you also writing the sort of, um, not the script, but the way that those those documentaries sort of play out as far as where you go with them, the questions that they might get asked, things like that. Are are you a part of that? Are you are you um, doing the video? Like, what's your role in making those or both? So it's kind of it's kind of a freestyle. Um, we do have a producer who. Um, so does the sit down interviews that you, you know how that mm-hmm. one opens up and they're sitting in the locker and so someone is on the other side a producer is on the other side of the camera asking questions but as far as where we go with them and what we do that is um touch base with them through their through our producer and my role is pretty much when i'm following them around and i'm asking i can i might ask them like um an off-topic question just mm-hmm. to you know keep it interesting and engaging and then I'm also uh, the editor as well. So you're putting it all together at the end, mm-hmm. which I find like I I really do like editing and to you know put that picture together and yeah just to tell tell their story. It's kind of like um, writing almost in a sense. You have to decide what's fit you know you're you're create you are creating a narrative when, when you're sitting there editing sure but it is a, a team effort right for sure you know and i was really excited when um slam had carmelo anthony as a guest editor uh that was back in june i believe yeah um so our uh it, it dropped in june that was our special black lives matter issue mm-hmm. um we did a um I think uh, we did a, I'm actually looking for it now on my desk. Yep, I have it. Yeah, that was actually a, a project that I love. Like, I, I think it's probably my proudest pr- proudest project that I'm, I've been a, proud, a part of that wow. because it did include voices not only from past uh, NBA, NBA players and their stories as far as dealing with, you know, racism in the NBA, but you, you also heard from the women as well. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where this Let's Talk series derived from. It's a part of the Black Lives um, Matter issue. Uh, so that Black, that Let's Keep It Real um, video series with the WNBA players, it, it stems from this issue. Wow. Okay. So that's a fairly new um, project. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I just think it was so great to have a player uh, getting to decide what should be included um, and kind of having power in that sense. Because, I mean, I think also, of of course, before social media, the players didn't 
have too much say in how the story of their career, their life outside of basketball, their life inside basketball got told. It was mm-hmm. just that was totally out of their hands, it feels like, unless they put out um, a book. But I feel like many more players are writing books now than before as well. Yeah. And so uh, I, I really try to make it a point to read the the books of as many players as I can um, just to, to get an idea of how they want to tell their story versus reading someone else's version of that. And so I think that that was there was so much power in having Carmelo Anthony as the guest editor. And uh, is that something that was uh, that could happen again? Or is there plans to have players uh, get to sort of do more of the magazine type work? Um, officially, I'm not 100 percent sure. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure they wouldn't be opposed to it. Right. Um, because Slim is a uh, basketball player. Uh, platform that we tell stories from the perspective from the perspective of of the player. We're mm-hmm. we're mostly about the players. It's not about it's not about us. It's not about you know any of the material things that go outside of basketball. It's more about here's the player. This is their story. This is their journey, right. which is what I really love. So I, I don't think that it wouldn't happen again. I think it's very likely that it would happen again. So. Yeah. It just seems like such a logical um, direction as far as, you know, players forming their own media company, some players doing that, some players having their own podcasts, um, just players kind of uh, taking on these, these extra responsibilities in order to have the type of storytelling that they want. And it was so, Yeah. yeah, it was great to see that in print as well. Yeah, I think the evolution of um, of sports and storytelling has has evolved in such a way that definitely gives the athlete more power to make a difference. And I think to be at a company that supports that mm-hmm. is incredible. Yes. It, it supports the player's voice. I couldn't ask for more. Yeah, no, and and we, we and that yeah, that's just a, a really important thing to recognize. I'm so glad that there's that space at Slam. So it's wonderful. So I'm wondering um, because we've talked all about your b-ball work. If there's things that you've done um, around uh, video work and editing that you that is separate from basketball that that you want to talk about. Uh, some separate work that's outside of video video work and editing and basketball is that is that the question? Oh no, just separate from basketball, like with those same skills that you that you have, you know, the, the separate video work. Yeah, just any or any other like creative endeavors that you have. Yeah, so um, something else that I'm interested um, outside of basketball is uh, music and. Um, following there's a series that I'm working on um, just solely for myself it's called Emerging NYC and that series is, series is basically kind of like a day in the life of various musicians throughout the city kind of like a Humans of New York but mm-hmm. niche to just music so I'm excited to work on that. Um, there's an incredible artist that I've been working on with, working with on a couple uh, projects, and her name is Ileana. So I I re- I totally recommend 
anyone who's interested to go take a listen to um, a, a single that she has out now called Voices. Uh, she has a very soul, soulful tone, old school tone. Um, and then also, I'm really just working on honing my uh, writing skills and working on my screenplay. So that's something that's exciting for me and that I'm really focused on outside of basketball. It's a basketball story. Sure. <laughs> I feel like for me, I, as a filmmaker, as a creative, I think there's this one, you know, I think every artist has one story that they have to get out before they can move on to something else. Mm-hmm. And for me, this uh, story that I'm writing in the form of a screenplay is that story I've been I have to get out, you know, and so I'm excited about that and where it's going. Um, right. Did we talk? Did we talk about love and basketball when we talked the first time? Did we talk about I'm, love and basketball? I thought it just sounds familiar. Like it came up recently for me, and I'm wondering if it was with you because that's just uh, I think like it, a defining film in my life. <laughs> you know, I think it did because I said that it was a basketball film that I'm working on, and I said that it. I, I kind of shot down love and basketball. Sure. <laughs> and you were like you like, but I love. Everybody loves love and basketball, but I think the issue with it for me is that it's a woman's story with basketball, but yet it's tied mm-hmm. to a male character, you know? And right. I, and, and because also, I don't know, there's not many basketball movies out there that, um, fictional basketball movies that depict a female basketball player. No, absolutely. I think I think that's why it's, it's the story is itching at me, and it's like it has to be out because I'm just like the world needs this account now. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. That's such an important thing to remember. I mean, and and just even though um, the love and basketball is centered around a woman's story, basketball is so wrapped up in her love for. Quincy, <laughs> that uh, she, yeah, it's just, it, I think wh- what you're working on sounds like it would, it would fill the, it would fill a vacuum. Yeah, not to not love and basketball. Of course, too, no, but... I mean, I, I can never change that it's a, it's a important film to me, but also, uh, it is, th- it is. We need all to, because like... also, oh, go oh ahead. my bad, please. I was just gonna say, also, like, it was the, I think, love, I'll give. Love and Basketball is credit. It was the first basketball film where we got a peek inside the women's locker room. Like, and mm-hmm. the girls, you know, it did that for us. And I think it was, was it before? I think it was telling Monica's life before the WNBA was started, too. So it was also showing you the opportunities that um, that are available to women, girls growing up and playing basketball. It was just the first time you'd be like, oh, I can play beyond I can play beyond high school. That's what it did for me, so. Right. <laughs> totally. And I think also just that Monica loves basketball so much, so much more than Quincy does in a way that we n- normally it's seen that, I mean, I think that, of course, that is shifting and that has shifted, but just that, like, um, sports are our male space, whereas at by the end of that movie, it's clear that that was never really what Quincy wanted to do and it was always what Monica wanted to do. Right. Yeah. Yep. It is good. I mean, it's it's mostly just like it's great romance and it's heartbreaking yeah. and it's you know, um, 
It's a great movie. It is. I'm not. I just oh, it has a great it soundtrack. No, of course, it has a great soundtrack. But just like everything else, it 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 leaves um, space for other other films to and and screenplays or however you know your writing manifests itself um, to to kind of fill that space about what it means for a woman woman to to pursue basketball and to love basketball and be a part of the basketball world with without it being attached to a man. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> I, I, um, whenever that, whenever that comes to be, let me know. <laughs> I actually just had today, um, I'm taking a, a fiction, uh, a fiction writing course and that it was workshop. We workshopped it today and the feedback was incredible. So I'm excited to just continue on with yeah. it. And does this, is it at all, um, if I could ask, is it biographical? No. Okay. Well, it, you know, every, they say every. Sure, sure, sure. Prior, but, <laughs> but it's not, it's not bio, biographical. It's, there's, it's, you know, little moments where, you know, I'm inspired by, you know, my life, mm-hmm. but I'm keeping it totally away from me as possible right yeah it's his own thing i was wondering um if growing up you said you you had cousins that played basketball Mm -hmm. um and how was like basketball part of your your family i mean besides your cousins um i would say yes and no but i would say yes because i remember growing up i think for me, my earliest best basketball memories, yes, hit the can, but my mom as, as well. I re- just remember her always telling me, yeah, she used to play basketball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think also just, again, going back to that connection, like I love connecting with people. I think that was actually my first connection was my mom loves basketball. Okay. My dad loves basketball. My cousins love basketball. We watch basketball. Oh, basketball you know right <laughs> so we weren't like a big big on basketball but if if it, if it was a game on tv if michael jordan was playing if kobe was pl- playing if lebron was playing the tv was definitely on um and yeah my cousins played basketball and i think that's playing with them getting the chance to play with them and things like that was really what you know set the foundation for it all sure and are you a Grizzlies fan? I love, you know, I hadn't lived in Memphis in about five years now. Six, it'll be six years in September. Uh, and when I was there, funny story, Zebo, uh, Zach Randolph was mm-hmm. probably like very popular at the moment, but the Grizzlies, they weren't that good. So they would give the school, my school tickets, you know, I'm sure they do that in a lot of sure. small towns where the, um, the fan base isn't there, but they would just give us tickets to the Grizzlies games. But only time I wanted to go see the Grizzlies play is if LeBron or some big name was playing. But now, I I, I enjoy seeing John Morant. He is. I'm, I was excited to see him come to Memphis. I was mm-hmm. always going to turn that franchise around, and he's been incredible. I I hope he gets rookie of the year <laughs> yeah he's he's like an electric player for sure just uh totally livens up uh everything 
And you got to do that doc on him or that conversation with him. <laughs> I know that, that was an incredible um, project as well to work on. Uh, yeah, actually, um, his first cover mm -hmm. that he did for Slim was around, I want to say July of last year. So that cover that he's on, uh, Slam does these off the bench, bench things or whatever. And uh, I have a little section in a magazine. So it makes me kind of happy that, you know, Jaws on the cover and I'm from the Memphis area. Yeah. So it's like we're, we're in the magazine together a little bit. <laughs> totally. Um, and I know, yeah, I mean, I know that they have a really uh, supportive fan base there, which is, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I almost feel bad that, you know, like it's itching in me to be like, to let the world know that, or your viewers know that I love LeBron James. Oh, yeah. I, and I'm a LeBron James fan and I'm looking forward to him, you know, doing his thing in, in, in the bubble. <laughs> okay, this is great. So is, um, you're, you're rooting for the Lakers to win it all. Yeah, I'm LeBron. I'm team, Le I'm team wherever LeBron goes. Okay, wow. like that for a a while that's great that's exciting and i mean it's um it's definitely a good year to be a lebron fan uh, out of all yeah. the you know the the recent years i mean well yeah. <laughs> basically after 2016 this is a very exciting year um mm -hmm. that's good okay so what about for the WNBA? do you have any predictions about who might win this year <sighs> So the WNBA is like anyone's game because they're all, all the teams are good. Mm -hmm. But I told myself that I was going to pick a team to stick with after last year. Mm -hmm. So this year, I think I'm gonna, I am I want to start becoming a New York fan. So and they have um, Sabrina. She came from Oregon. Right. But she yeah. just, I believe she just went on injury leave. So yeah. now I'm, I'm looking and I'm maybe the aces okay i don't know yeah but i i want i think i want I, I i definitely want new york to win and i told myself also that with the nba with when lebron retires that i'm gonna be a knicks fan so wow be just new york out yeah i think that's exciting and um i think eventually the knicks are gonna be really good again and then it will all be worth it <laughs> I think they're like due within the cycle of basketball lives, you know. They are. They're well. It's kind of sad, but <laughs> it's it's like what what is the curse? What is the curse? Right. But I feel like their their time might be coming. You know, this um, upcoming NBA twenty twenty draft. It's some um, you know some opportunities for them there. Yeah. Who we'll do you, are you, uh, do you have a favorite NBA, WNBA team or NBA team? So. Um, I'm a Warriors fan. I grew up in the Bay Area. And, oh, my. Uh, so, Abigail. yeah, I'm so sorry about that, Sarah. Abigail. It was going to come out one way or another. <laughs> um, but my husband, we just got married like a couple weeks ago. So, uh, well, congratulations. Thank you. He is, he's from Oklahoma City and he's a Thunder fan. He's also a LeBron fan. Um, okay. And I like your husband. Yeah, a he's lot. a good guy. <laughs> so no, um, I love I like you as well, Abigail. I won't sure. hold the Warriors again. No, I totally get it. But with the Warriors being out this year, I just decided I'm gonna root for the Thunder because there's been so much animosity between those teams the past few years, especially you know when Kevin Durant left to go to the Warriors. It was like 
that was a couple of rough days in our relationship. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to step up and root for the Thunder uh, because the Warriors aren't in this. And then, of course, my husband, Eliseo, is rooting for the Lakers, like, because he just loves LeBron so much. And, you know, Westbrook left, and it's just... It's not the same. Yeah. The guys that he sort of came up with when he was a fan just aren't there anymore. Um, yeah. So now I'm rooting for the Thunder. He's rooting for the Lakers. Uh, and then, of course, the Suns, I don't think they've lost a game in the bubble. So it's like our regional team is is killing it. The, the West Coast is definitely where it's, it's at right now. Yeah. <laughs> So I just, I don't even, I mean, I can't even root for the Suns properly now because I'm too much of a bandwagon fan, even though I live close to them. I just have never been to one of their games. Like, I haven't paid too much attention, especially because they're never on national TV. True. Um, so it's it's hard to, you know, and I don't I don't have regular TV, so it's hard to, to watch them. Anyways, I'm just making excuses at this point because I no, wish no, now. No, no. I wish you're, that I had watched more Suns games. <laughs> Oh, oh I love I love this conversation. Yes, there's a lot of basketball there. Does. Yes, t- absolutely. <laughs> and so I think for the WNBA, I am, um, and I have rooted for them in the past, but I'm gonna go all in with the Mercury um, because I'd love to okay. see, uh, uh, just like they've been competitive for the past few years, and it'd be great to see them go uh, all the way. Yeah, the Mercury. Yeah. They're they're um, who is it? Uh... Trying to think. Mm, I was just. I think I was just talking about them. Let me do a quick. Is it Diana Taurasi? Yeah, she's their point. I mean, you know. Yeah, and and Brittany Griner. Right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that's that's tough. Yeah. See, the WNBA. There, I think the teams are so like balanced mm-hmm. that it's just like it's truly anybody's game, and even more. You know, it's going to be competitive, and it's just like. Watch, watch it. Just watch these women work. Right. And actually, really, I mean, I think the, well, and I'm saying this as a Warriors fan, but the the finals in 2017, 2018 were not super intriguing <laughs> finals to watch. And like, oh, for, the, for the NBA? Yeah, between the Warriors and the Cavs. Um, but, you know, that whole time, like, the WNBA had way more interesting finals. Uh, and so I think that the, I mean, there is of course like a imbalance in, in talent as we, as we see in most leagues, but in the NBA it can be so extreme. And so mm-hmm. it's just great to see like more competitive games more often Yeah, at, at the I highest agree. level. Yeah. So yeah, that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> I'm glad we got that off our chest. We need to have that conversation. I'll be thinking of you when I'm rooting against the Lakers, depending on who they're playing. <laughs> Probably won't. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate of course. That. <laughs> we'll see. I actually have this rule where I, I just always root against the Rockets. Like, that's my team where I put all my uh, anger and they, like, can't do anything right for me. So, um <laughs> Yeah, there are some circumstances where I I will of course root for the Lakers. I feel that. I think my team that I'm that I root for at least for the last couple of years to, you know, not make it root against them is your guys. Mm-hmm. So, the Warriors. Yeah, Just, well they they fulfilled that for you this year in a real way. 
Oh gosh, just the final slasher are really painful watching them go out like that. And then I don't know if there's ever been uh, another team in history that's gone from so competitive to so uh, the bottom so fast. Oh my goodness. Everything about that just did my heart, you know, it healed it. <laughs> oh it healed God. it a little bit. <laughs> wow. Just a okay, so <laughs> we have to play horse when I come to New York too. Yes, we will. Okay. We good. definitely will. That's my thing that I've been thinking of trying to because so many of the people I've had on the podcast, like I've never I've never connected with in person even before the pandemic. So now I really want to make a point of of meeting them and then also playing some horse. I'm down for it. I'm always down for it. Good. Okay. I'm I'm not super competitive, but I can handle it if you are and um I can talk some shit if I need well, to. <laughs> well, the thing the beauty of horse though is that it's not even really about um, let me see competitiveness you can be competitive and you can be athletic but it's all about creativity sure yes so you could be more creative with with, with shooting the ball than I am so and right. that could be your advantage just so you know I do potty shots <laughs> like that's a thing I'll whip out in a horse that that is a tough shot <laughs> I struggle with that shot. Sure. I well, I mean, sometimes it works for me. Sometimes it's uh, no dice, but okay. Well, I'm gonna go practice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. We can just let me know when you think you might be ready. (laughs) Okay, Sierra. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It it just such a nice connection to make and to learn more about your work and how you sort of arrived at where you've arrived at and and through what means. And how you use basketball. And I just, I really appreciate your willingness to share. No, thank you for having me, Abigail. I really appreciate it. Great. Okay, so we'll, we will talk soon and stay in touch. All right, you have a good one. All right, you too. Bye. All right, bye-bye.